Good morning. Hey, it's good to see you today. Um, I'm going to put this mic somewhere where I'm not going to mess with it. There we go. Hey, I want to just say this really quickly as, as people are getting to their seats and, and um, getting situated. I, I know, and I've talked to so many people that are on Thanksgiving mindset already. What, um, what students and or teachers or administrators are happy that Thanksgiving break is now upon us? Cheer loudly for those. Yes. I saw one, one teacher walking in this morning with a huge smile on her face. And, and I, I knew she was happy to be at church, but I also knew the real reason for her smile was that she's away from school for a week. So anyway, um, I want to just say this really quickly before we jump into the message. I, I want to just say a huge thank you to, to so many of you for your, um, for your generosity to myself and Crystal during Pastor Appreciation Month. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we, we so appreciate that and um, just, just are really humbled by it. So thank you for that. And we're going to jump into the message. Uh, We started this series two weeks ago um, called Be the Church, and we talked about religion versus relationship. And then last week, I I started kind of a two-part message in the series. And when we started as a church a little over two years ago, we we had many people when our very first few weeks at the Town Green in Long Beach that signed commitment cards to be members. And many of you are members, and, and that's, that's amazing and awesome. And we had these cards made. We were trying to get it done. There were some things that needed to happen very quickly so that we could uh, apply for our 501c3 and just some other, other things that you don't think about unless you're starting a brand new church. And so um, we got that done. But over the, the last two years, I've just been kind of thinking through and downloading and, and reading God's Word and maybe even talking to some other pastors about membership and, and what it's about and what it means. And so uh, last week we kind of started a two-week in the midst of this series message on well, what, is it, what does a member at Hope Church look like? Because um, I, in the South, we're good at having church members. In fact, there, there, are, there are churches all over the coast and all over the state of Mississippi. They may have 500 members, but they may have 50 people there today. Do you understand what I'm saying? With lots of members, but so it, it, it's got to be a little bit more than that. So I just began to kind of write down what would someone who's a member, according to what Scripture says, of, of Hope Church, what would that person look like? And so we talked about some things last week, and I'm just going to run through them for those of you that weren't here, um, that they would be committed to evangelism. Now, I know that scares at least half the people, or if not more of us in this room. We are like, I don't know that I can talk to someone about that. Let me just say this. You have a story to share. Whether your story is, I was raised in church, I grew up knowing God, my parents taught me at a young age, or you are like, I, I didn't come to know Jesus until I was an adult. Your story matters to God. Your story is beautiful, and there are people that need to hear your story. So I'm going to commit to evangelism by sharing my story um, because your story is not boring in the eyes of God. Some people are like, I, my, Kevin, my, my story is, is boring. It, it isn't boring because you're a life that's been changed. You're a life that's different because of what Jesus did. So committed to evangelism by living for Christ as well. That, you know, some, for some of us, we're the only Jesus that they're going to see. And so how are we living our life? How are we treating people? How are we uh, interacting with people? Um, this month of kindness thing's been fun to hear, and I've heard lots of little stories about kids being kind and adults being kind, and we've been collecting items uh, throughout the month, and you've been hearing about it. And it's just, just fun to hear, but we want to live for Christ with purpose and with intentionality. 
And then uh, the other piece of that was by inviting others to church. And we're going to talk specifically about that next Sunday uh, at the, on the back end of Thanksgiving. And, and so we're going to just kind of continue where I stopped last week. We also talked about I would be committed to worship. I will commit to worship, not just evangelism, but worship, meaning I'm going to find a place to serve. And many of you serve in some incredible, incredible ways here at Hope Church. Uh, we have people that serve faithfully in kids. We have security team members that, are, that serve faithfully. We have cafe people. We have cleaners. We have uh, people that usher. They're sound media production. All those people, the people up here on, this, on the stage that lead us in worship, they all serve faithfully in just incredible ways. There's a place for you to serve. And if you're a member, if, you're, if you say, hey, I'm committed to this body, we want you to help we want to help find a place for you to serve. And then the last one I talked about last week was by just attending faithfully and regularly. And um, I'm not going to define what that is for you uh, because that, that line has kind of moved. We have people that are here every single week. We have people that are here several times a month. We have people that call this church their home. They're here once every two to three months. But they identify with who Hope Church is and, and are a part of us. And so we just kind of looked at all those, all those things. I want to read a scripture to you before we jump back into the specifics. It's from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. You can follow along with your Bibles or uh, on your phones. You can also see it on the screen. It just says this, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. So, so even back in the Bible days, there were people who were like, you know, I don't know that I'm going to go to church today because it's sunny outside or it's raining. Or We talked about some of those things last week that um, as a pastor, I pray for cloudy days with no rain. Because the sunny days, people are at the lake and doing other things outside. The, the rainy days, people can't leave their house because it's raining. And so, um, and so we pray for cloudy days. So, that, so there were people that were just skipping out and saying, you know, I don't really need to be a part of a local church community family. It goes on and says, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're going to jump back into the message right now. Um, and I'm going to hit the, kind of the last point in this, I will commit to worship. And it's, and it's this, I, I will financially commit by tithing to Hope Church. And let me just say this, um, you guys are incredibly generous. We have incredible people that faithfully give, and we are at a healthy place financially. We're at a really good place. In fact, this month we've been able to pick up another missions partner, and some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It's a, it's a missionary that's working here on the coast or somewhere in the nation or around the world that we've kind of partnered with, and we've said, hey, we believe in what you're doing to spread the message of Jesus, and so we would like to support you on a monthly basis financially. So we, we've just picked up a brand new missions partner, um, and so I'm just so thankful for that. We were able to give just this week $500 to feed my sheep to help them, because this time of year is incredibly busy for them uh, with just supplying food. We also were able to give $500 to 28th Street Elementary in Gulfport to honor their teachers and administrators uh, during this holiday season for all that they do. And, and so just stuff like that is fun to get to do. And we only get to do that because people give faithfully. And so if you're here and you're, you, you give faithfully, um, you know, that, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. I want to read some scripture that talks about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
for God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever given something to someone you didn't really want to? Who Just be honest. Put your hand up. You gave and you didn't want to. Maybe it was to one of your siblings. Your parents asked you to give and you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. It, it could be a bunch of different people, but it, it's no fun giving when we don't want to give. But when we desire to give, when we love to give, when we have a heart to give, when we're cheerful about it, when we're thankful for all the blessings that we have, I mean, giving is such a powerful thing. We, we have someone today that just brought in a full Thanksgiving meal that they provided on their own and they wanted to give to someone who maybe doesn't have all that they would need to have at Thanksgiving. And can I tell you that I, I know those individuals, I, I know that person, and I know that it thrilled her heart to be able to give that to someone. That because she's been blessed, and so she's turning around and giving. We have, we have, there's examples throughout this church family of people that do things like that, and it's such a powerful thing. Um, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's, there's another verse that says this in Proverbs. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. And we don't, we, we, hear, we see that word enriched. And that's not just talking about financial gain. That's talking about the, having the favor of God in your life. And God looking at you and being pleased with your life. Um, you, know, you know how, how impactful it is for a kid to have a parent look at them and be pleased with something? Now, I, I wasn't the best student um, growing up. And it wasn't that I couldn't do the stuff, um, and I hate to admit this, but I'm going to say it. I, I just didn't apply myself. I mean, I could get away with A's and B's without really doing a lot of work in high school. And, and I didn't apply myself in the way that I should have with my studies. I applied myself athletically with things. And that's where I found my worth and my desire and what I wanted to spend my time on. And if it was an opportunity between studying for an Algebra two test or practicing my jumper in the driveway, I was outside. But there was this one time I brought home a grade that um, mom and dad didn't like too much. I can't tell you the letter. It might be near E um, but uh, um, in the alphabet. But it was a grade that they weren't happy with. And they looked at my report card and said, Kevin, um, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about all the things that you're doing. Well, define that for me, mom and dad. Well, if this continues to be near the letter E in this grade, because they knew I could do the work and I just didn't apply myself in the way that I needed to. If this continues, all the sports that you play are done. But that got my attention. And so that grade came up and it came up rather significantly and pretty quickly. And, and I remember showing my parents my report card that, that next time that they came home and uh, I remember my mom's face and, and she was proud that I brought the grade up I was just thankful I didn't have to quit playing sports. But she was, and to watch her face and, and to kind of just go, I knew you could do it, Kevin, that was impactful to me. Well, our Heavenly Father looks at us as we're giving to people, as we are handling our finances in a biblical way, and he's pleased by that, and he smiles at us, and that's an incredibly powerful thing to have God's favor on us. So I, I will commit to evangelism. We talked about the ways that we do that. I will commit to worship. We talked about that. I want to talk to you about the third thing. I will commit to discipleship. I will commit to discipleship. That word discipleship gets thrown around a lot. 
And if I ask, if we had just an open mic and I said, hey, tell, what do you think a disciple is? We probably would have a bunch of different answers in this room, and that's okay. But I, I want to just make this point. Um, who in here is retired or wishes they were retired? Put your hand up. There's some hands up of people that I know that are working. There's others that are retired, and, and we, you know, we think about retirement and not having to work anymore, and man, that, that can be a, a fun thing. It's amazing here on the coast how many people I meet that move here in retirement, and then they get a job. Whether, you know, whether it's uh, driving a taxi, whether it's working at Walmart, whether it's doing uh, uh, something, they, they find something to do because they just don't want to just kind of sit around. And, and, I, and I, I love that. And then I talk to other people that say, I'm busier in retirement than I was when I was working. Who says amen to that? There's some people that I talked to this morning that have grandkids coming this week. And they're like, man, I, when the grandkids come, I, I lose energy so quick because those kids have all this energy. And I have to kind of watch them and their parents aren't there. And listen, retirement can be a, a wonderful thing. And it's a blessing for years of hard work. But the problem in church world is this. There's people that think you get to a place where you can spiritually retire. And I, I don't believe in spiritual retirement. I, I believe scripture shows us that we should continually be spiritually advancing, whether we're 75 or we're 20. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to know God more and trust him more. Uh, I need more of God in my life than I, than I did yesterday. I need more of him for my future and, um, and so I'm going to commit to discipleship. And the beautiful thing about a church is that we're all at different places spiritually. There might be some of you here today that you're not even sure that you want this relationship with Jesus. You're here, it's a Sunday, and someone invited you, or you came, or you've been coming, and we're so thrilled that you're here. There may be some of you here today, you've been, you've been serving God for like 50 years and you can think back to all the times he's been faithful and all the things that he's done. And, man, it's a powerful thing to think about that. Whether you're new to faith in Christ or you have been following Jesus for a long time, we never get to a place where we should just spiritually retire. We should always be spiritually advancing because that's what God wants for our lives. Well, how do I do that? Well, we're going to get really practical. And I meant to grab my Bible um, but I become so accustomed to grabbing my Bible on my phone that I didn't grab it, and so I failed. But, but let me just say this. Pretend like this is my Bible, because I do have you. Who has you version or a Bible app on your phone? Yep. Um, here's one way that we grow and we can be discipled. And, and I'm not, I, I don't want to get um, legalistic with this, but I, 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 we're going to talk about it. I believe as a follower of Jesus that we should be reading our Bible every day. Now, that's a good place for you to say amen because um, we're in church, right? But reading our Bible every day. Now, Kevin, do you read your Bible every day? Man, there's days that I miss. I mean, there's days that I miss, and I, I mean, I, I shouldn't. How do you miss it? You're a pastor. Well, I don't, I don't count studying for a series or for a message as, as personal reading for me. I mean, do I gain things from it? Absolutely. Am I challenged by it? For sure. Um, do I, do I learn more? Yes, but, but I'm, I'm talking about just my own spiritual health and growth and development. I, I want to commit to discipleship by reading my Bible, and here's why. The Bible and reading its principles and then beginning to live it out will change your life like nothing else can. 
You can do a bunch of studies. You can do a, do a bunch of other things that, that can help you grow and help you learn and help you develop. But the Bible is the number one thing that will change your life in a way that pleases and honors God. I want us to look at a scripture in the Old Testament. The book of Joshua. It's Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And here's what's happening. The people of Israel are getting ready to be led into the promised land. And God looks over all the people of Israel and says, Joshua, I want you to be the one to do it. So he's, he's tapped Joshua for this incredibly important role. And he's giving him instructions and he's challenging him and he's, he's, he's letting him know about these different things. And this is what he says to him in verse 8. The book of the law, so for, for, that, for them that was the Bible, that's what they had at that time. The, the book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, meditate on it day and night. Sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we have a whole lot more information in our head than we do application to living out what God's word says. And information is wonderful. I need it. You need it. But it's not the purpose of God's word. He, he hasn't given us his word just so we can have information. He, he's given us his word so that we have a map, a, a way, a, a game plan for how we're going to live our lives for what our lives should look like, for how we should handle our relationships, for how we should handle our marriages, for how we should interact with our children, for how we should handle our finances. He, he has given us this book, and he says, I want you to meditate on it day and night. I don't always get that right. I'm, I'm striving and growing and hoping to do that in an even greater way as I continue to grow. But here's why. He goes on, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then... You will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Now, if I ask this question today, who in here would like to prosper? I imagine 99.9% .9 of the hands are going to go up. Who would like to have success in their, in their way, in their life? And you can define that in different ways. But if, if I just said, who would like success, I think our hands would go up. And, and God's just saying to us, listen, if, if you want to prosper and have success, does it mean prosper? In the way? We always think of prosper as, as financial because we're driven by money um, and, and things and stuff. But, but prospering could be in a whole different way of thinking. He just said, I, I promise you, you're, you're going you're gonna to be prosperous and you're going to have good success if you would just get into my word. So by, I'm going to commit to discipleship by reading my Bible every day. Um, and it's not a legalistic thing. And, and some people think, well, I need to read a chapter or five chapters a day. What if it was just a verse? I mean, as a starting point. I mean, I, I don't know about you. Um, and this is a little dangerous thing to admit because this is my job. Um, there's sometimes I read the Bible and I go, I don't know that I got anything from that. Who's ever experienced that? Me. There's other times where I've read it, and maybe it's a verse, or maybe it's a couple verses or a passage, and I go, I've read that 50 times, and I don't know that I ever saw that, but God, thank you for showing that. Thank you for revealing that to me. Thank, thank you for bringing freshness from your word. You know, the, the Bible just says this, that God's, God's word 
does not return void or does not return empty. So when we place it in our lives, when we think about it, when we meditate on it, when we read it, when we digest it, so to speak, it's going to produce something, and it kind of leads to the second point of this. By putting what I read into action, what I learn into action. Remember I said earlier, we have a whole lot more information than we do applications sometimes. Um, The Bible doesn't have the impact that it needs to in our lives if it's just gathering information. Because God said, there's a better way for you to live. There's a way that you can live where you're going to prosper and have success. How you have success and how you prosper may look different than what you think. But Christ wants us to live our lives for him. And, and when we're engaged and we're in leaning into Scripture, I mean, it'll, it positions my heart and my mind to, to do my relationships a little bit different. Um, here, this is a silly example, but I'm going to give it. When I'm consistently reading my Bible, you know who I treat better than I do other times? And some of you are going to say Crystal or the kids, and, and that may be true. But I, I'm going to go straight to just a, a, a ear... Some of you are going to relate to this. When I'm in my Bible consistently in the way that I need to be, I treat other people on the road better. I mean, because I I think there should be like a a chapter or maybe a book in the Bible that talks about how we engage God and others when we drive behind the the wheel. I mean, I need that because I, I sometimes lose my cool. I sometimes don't know what people are thinking. A couple weeks ago, I mean, I've seen people shave, and they're going down the road, and they're shaving. Usually, it's a, hopefully, it's an electric razor if you're a guy and you're shaving your face. But I was on 49 several weeks ago, and I'm sitting at the light, and the light's taking a long time to turn, and I'm getting a little frustrated. So I'm, like, looking in my mirrors, looking around, seeing what's happening with the people that are around me waiting at the same light. And I look over, and this lady is doing full makeup. Which I'm mean, we're sitting in a light. She's got the mascara out. She's the, you know put she and listen, ladies. I'm not. If you need to do it, then that's fine. But do it while the car stopped. Because the problem was we started going and she's still doing this. You're putting mascara on your eyes when your eyes should be focused on the road. Help me, Jesus, right? And so I, I, I mean, I get in my car and I don't always get driving right, but I think I do. And so um, the. I, I, I treat people differently when I'm engaged in God's word and it's allowing my life to be a little bit different. Um, here, here's another thing. By growing in my walk to teach others about Christ. And this goes back to kind of inviting and talking about God and sharing our story. Um, when you grow closer to God, when I grow closer to God, we can't help but want to share about him because he's impacted our life. Because our life is a little bit different than it was. Is it perfect? No. Do we still fall short? Absolutely. Do we sometimes have to go through tests? Yes. God allows tests to come into our lives. He never tempts us, though. Two very different things. We know this from the book of James. that The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Um, and so we want to be people that reach people with the love of Jesus, and then teach them how to love like Jesus because we're not naturally wired to do that. 
I mean, some of us are, some of us are nicer than, than others, right? We're just kind of, but, but none of us really just walk into knowing how to love people like Jesus because he looked at all their problems and their issues and their habits and their mistakes and their bad words and their wrong actions. He looked at all of that and he looked past it and he loved them. And that's what God wants us to do. But can I tell you, it's really hard to do sometimes. And we are heading into the time in the calendar when we're around people that we may not choose to want to be around that much, but it's the holidays, right? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know some of you, you're thinking about this week at Thanksgiving, whether people are coming here to the coast or you're going somewhere else, you're thinking about some people that you got to be around because they're relatives, right? Right? Or their family, friends, and they're going to be in the same room as you, and you're like, I don't really like them. We're way different politically. We have different perspectives on all that's going on in the world, and, and, I, and, and yet Jesus has called us to love. And it's hard because we're not wired to do that naturally, but we learn by getting into his word and then beginning to apply it to our life. Number four is this, I will commit to fellowship. Um, we, I, Crystal and I worked for a pastor at another church and, uh, and I think I've shared this before. Um, he, used to, he used to, we used to do these gatherings, and it was, it was, a, it was a good-sized church. And he would call them um, koinonia. And I was like, what in the heck are we talking about, like some type of oat bran? Or is this a, is this a, a I, I had no, what, what is koinonia? It's actually the Greek word for fellowship, and he used to love it. He used to say it all the time. We're going to have a Sunday night koinonia. I don't know what's happening there. Are we roasting marshmallows? Are we, I, I just wasn't sure what was going on, but that, the whole point of him saying that was just simply this, that we want to be fellowship. We want to have connection and relationship with each other. I mean, don't you think that you need some people in your life? If you're going to live for God, we need some people in our life that are trying to live for God as well. And because and, we're going to have some people that... that are far from God, and we're going to have some people be based on where we live and our kids' activities and what we do that, that, that may not know God, but they're a part of our life because we connect and we, in, in some way. But we need people in our life that are trying to walk down the same path, that are trying to live for God. I will commit to fellowship. And, and I, I want to focus, there's a couple points, but I want to focus on the second one just for time's sake this morning. And it's this, by building meaningful relationships with people within the church. Do you have to know everyone that you go to church with? No. Do you have to be best friends with people you go to church with? No. Um, in fact, probably, and I, I don't know if I should say this. I'm going to, though. These are the things that get me in trouble. Can we just pray together right now? <laughs> no, I, I'd even submit to you that you don't have to like every single person that goes to the church that you go to. We're called to love, and man, but I, well, you just may be different people. And you're, it's not that you talk bad about them or you slander them or you gossip, but you're like, ah, I don't know that we're going to hang out at the coffee shop or you're going to come to my house for dinner. That, and that's okay. But we need to have relationships with people in our fellowship. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says this. Paul's telling this church about all that's going on. He says, 
I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, some of you are, are going to hear that, and you, you're going to think he's talking about, a, uh, about someone who's called to, into the ministry. No, he's talking about the calling that all of us have as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that includes everyone in this room that has made a commitment to follow Jesus. I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One of the most damaging things to a church is gossip. And talking about other people, and I've seen churches do it really well. <laughs> and, um, and I've talked with people about it, just in, individually. And, and sometimes the pushback from people, when you, you have that kind of hard conversation is, well, pastor, people just come to me, because I'm a good listener. And there's things I want to say in those moments that I probably, probably don't, but it, what, what about rather than listening to the gossip, if we just stopped it and said, you know what, I, I don't really need to hear that, but let's, what if we just pray right now for them? Let's just, just pray for them. I know that would be different to do, but man, what, what could God accomplish with that? Gossip and slander are tools of Satan that will damage and destroy the church that God wants to build in the church that he wants us to be. Well, how do, how do I connect to people? There are predominantly two things. And listen, we're at a size right now um, where you can kind of know a lot of people here and you can recognize faces, but I, I believe there's coming a day where you're, you're going to walk into church and you're not going to know a chunk of people. And you can, be there, you can be there frequently. You know, in the future, in this coming year, as, as we continue to see growth and we have to push to two services and what that brings, and we don't start asking me questions about that. We don't have answers yet, but, but you're gonna, you might go to the same church and have no idea because you go at different times. But so how do, I, how do I connect to people then, Kevin? Because listen, we give you this little minute and a half on a Sunday morning to shake someone's hand or to hug someone and, and, uh, th that you've never met before, which is always a funny thing to me. Do you hug people that you've never met before? It's rare, right? Usually it's more, a little more formal than that. So now, then you have the people that say, I'm a hugger, come on, bring it in. You know, we have people like that in our life. But if that's all the interaction we do, we're, we're not going to really, we're going to be lucky to know people's names. So how, Kevin, how do I connect the people? And I'm, I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute. Two primary ways. One is, is serving, finding a place to serve, serving uh, on, on a team and getting to know people. Um, and, and I've watched it happen in the cafe. I've watched it happen on the worship team. I, I've watched it happen in different. You get to know people when you serve alongside them, when you serve with them. And the second one is finding a group to be a part of, a small group, a life group, um, connecting to people in that way. And you, you'll be hearing more about that as we launch into the new year. But those are, those are two optimal places to go to connect to people. I'm going to commit to fellowship because... I need people to walk alongside me. I need people to, um, to journey with me. Sometimes I need someone to laugh with me. Sometimes I need someone to cry with me. Sometimes I need someone just to be there, and I know they're going to pray for me and going to be faithful, a faithful friend. The last one is this, and, and 
and then we're, then we're going to end. Uh, I will commit to ministry by, by developing myself as a leader. And I bet you there's some of you in here that you don't see yourself as a leader, but God does. And we, we're, if you lead anything, you're, you're called to lead people. We're called to lead people. The Bible, um, I, I like reading about leadership. There's so many books out there. There's so many things that you can read. But can I just maybe submit to you this morning that the Bible is the greatest book about leadership that's ever been written. And the leadership looks way different because Jesus says, listen, you want to be first? Serve someone. You want to be first in line? Get to the back of the line. I mean, you remember as a kid, the, line, the water fountain line at school? I hated being last. I hated being near the end. I always, I, mean, I wanted to be near the front because sometimes the, the bell would ring and you didn't even get any water. You want to be the greatest? Learn to serve people. Here's my heart as your pastor and as the pastor of this church. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see you stay where you're at spiritually. I want to see you grow and advance and draw closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus. Be the person that he wants you to be, that he's called you to be, to move forward as a child of God so that you can lead others to God. I want to read one more scripture and we're going to pray. Acts 1.8, and I'm just going to give you the first part. And Jesus is talking about, about the, the church. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, this gift that he's giving to us. And he says this, you will be my witnesses. And so we're called to do that. Is that always us sharing our story? No. Sometimes it's in our actions. Sometimes it's in our attitudes. Sometimes it's in our faithfulness. But we're called to be his witnesses. And he wants to grow us and change us and develop us. And, and can I be really honest with you? The most frustrating times of my life as a follower of Jesus and these moments have happened as I've been a pastor for 28 years. I did a wedding this weekend. I was privileged to do a wedding yesterday. And uh, one of the groomsmen from New York comes up to me and goes, and he goes, I'm Catholic, but I'm wondering how long you've been a pastor. And I had to think, and the number I came out of my mouth startled me. Has it really been that long? Yes. But it, it's incredibly frustrating spiritually when you feel yourself just this. When you, when you don't feel yourself growing, when you just feel like you're just kind of going through the motions and just kind of, you're just not growing in the way that you want to. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to tell you that this, this spiritual growth is just a steady climb up. But I, I've experienced it and I've watched it in the lives of others, some incredible leaders, some incredible people of God, that it tends to do, be more like this. Because there's hills and there's valleys and there's moments when we're fully trusting God and there's other moments where we're like, God, I don't even know if you hear my prayers. God, I open up your word and it doesn't seem to speak to me at all. God, I'm trying to do the right things and I don't see breakthrough happening. I don't see change happening and I'm, I'm frustrated. We have times like that, but in the midst of all the, the growing and the stopping and the starting, God wants us to continually seek to be the people that he wants us to be. And so I wanna pray with you this morning. God, I, I thank you so much for this group of people that are a part of Hope Church, I thank you even for those that aren't here today that are a part of this, this local body, this, this family of God. God, I, I pray that you will help us um, 
you'll help us be the people that we need to be and first and foremost that our relationship with you would grow, that we, we would become more like you, that we would open up your word on a daily basis, that we would, um, that we would be just challenged to draw close to you. Life is busy. Job responsibilities, family responsibilities. God, there's so much that's thrown at us. But God, would we, would we put you first in everything? Because God, I, I know from when I do that, other things begin to make sense. And it's not that life's perfect and it's not that I have all the answers, but, but I know that you're with me. You're the same God as we sang about earlier today that, that, that did all these miracles that we read about in the Bible. God, that same God, you're right there with us and you're desiring for us to grow and be the people that you've called us to be. God, would you do what you want to in this place? Would you do what you want to in our church family? And God, we're gonna be faithful to be the people that you've called us to be. We're gonna trust you. We're gonna lean on you. We're gonna love your word. We're gonna not just love the information from your word, but we're gonna experience transformation which calls us into action, which calls us to live it out, which calls us to put it into daily practice. God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, I ask and we agree together and say,